Welcome to Joiners, the podcast with Tim and Danny, where each week we harvest the garden of hospitality. So my dad listened to the podcast. He's a, a listener of Joiners now. You think he's listened to every episode? No, he started with John Mannion. What do you think? Uh, he liked it a lot. Well, he met John at the Camp Wandawaga event and, oh, got, nice. and chatted with him a little bit uh, after dinner. And uh, he said he really enjoyed the podcast, but he was surprised at how often the F word came up. Huh. Do we use the F word that often? <laughs> I wasn't aware of a pattern in did which we, we did. <laughs> did you go back and listen to episodes? No, I didn't, but I, tr- I kind of did like a mental scan. <laughs> you know, like when your life flashes before your eyes and you have to scan it for swear words. Or was he saying that we use the F word too much and he loves it? I think it was the egregious use. He's, hmm. like, he's like, it was F this, F that. And I don't know if maybe it's just the Mannion episode because we're comfortable with John, but he's, he's like, you know, in my day, he's like, and my dad, I mean, he's got a filthy mouth, terrible. Yeah. And, uh, and he's like, uh, he's like, you know, that, that word really meant something, uh, when, when I would use it, you know, you, so pull, we, you pull that out of the holster when you, when you really want to make a statement. So we devalued <laughs> the F word. Yeah. We've commoditized hmm. the F word. Did he suggest that we use it less? I don't know. I don't know if it was just an observation. I don't know if he was just uh, trying to give proof that he had listened to an episode. I'm not sure what the point of it was. Huh, that's interesting. Well, speaking of uh, of gratuitous, you know, obscenity, I guess, uh, I was reading the AV Club had uh, just published like a list of movies that uh, at least initially had garnered an NC-17 rating. And one of the funnier tidbits I stumbled upon was about American Pie and how it initially had an NC-17 rating, but they were able to get it down to an R rating by reducing the number of pumps that Jim had into the <laughs> apple the pie. pie. <laughs> so initially he had four thrusts into the apple pie. That's way too many. <laughs> and the MPAA was like, that's an NC-17, boom, right there. And they're like, well, what if we do two pumps? And they're like, you got yourselves a deal. Could you imagine sitting around a, a board boardroom? You're at the table. You're, you're in a suit. And you say, <laughs> you know what? Let's meet in the middle. Let's do three pumps. Could, could, you, could, could you do three? And they're like, nope, it's got to be two. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, three, you're still going to get that NC-17. So what constitutes NC-17? What, what I, type of subject matter? I think it's just gratuitous anything is what it seems like, whether it's like nudity or violence. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I don't know. Should I we mean, add nudity to the podcast? <laughs> yeah, I think we need <laughs> just to record in the buff. Well, we are in the buff. You are. <laughs> I'm wearing a loincloth. <laughs> I'm not comfortable enough to go full buff. Now, please enjoy our conversation with Chef DeAndre Carter of Feast and Imbibe and Soul and Smoke Barbecue. So you're from Chicago, right? Yeah, born and raised in Chicago from the south side. Um, Growing up, I was the oldest grandchild and also, you know, uh, yeah, pretty much the oldest grandchild. So I spent a lot of time hanging out at my grandmother's house on the weekends and of course, hanging out over there on the weekends back in the 90s, it was always, you know, uh, family coming over. It's always a celebration. And my grandma was always the one to be, you know, the one doing the cooking. So she did all the cooking for everyone? All the cooking. She would wake up like at five in the morning you wow, know, and start damn. cooking. <laughs> well, did yeah. you have like certain markets that she would go to to get stuff for cooking for everyone or just like the local market? Yeah, just like the local market. You know, um, yeah, the local grocery store. You know, we grew up on the south side, so it wasn't, you know, as many, you know, different cool food options. Yeah. Uh, I think, like, the coolest place I, I saw growing up was, like, this place that used to sell, like, live catfish. It was, like, on, a, uh, like, 115th. Uh, street and they in this place you you you'll be able to like pick out the catfish they will like you know catch it wow you know, skin it and pretty much cut it any way you would like it hmm. you doesn't get fresher than that Jeez. yeah that was like the coolest so they, just had, they just had like big tanks yeah you just pointed out and they're just going yep, in there yeah yeah like these yeah these big almost like short swimming pools and you'll see like you know the fish hmm. now are they netting those or are they dropping a line um I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They so, just grab them. They yeah. like, you know, just cluck them and just grab them. It was yeah. crazy. Huh. Like, hook them up. And, yeah. So where did grandma learn to cook? Was this like a family tradition? Um, 
Now, my grandma, um, I think she just, you know, my grandma had nine kids, so she was, you know, a genuinely caretaker and, you know, yeah. So, did you have a lot of cousins then? <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of cousins. <laughs> got a lot of cousins. And uh, were there certain dishes that people would request? Like you said, there were like always celebrations and things happening at the house when people were being, were coming over. Did they they put in requests or just knew that it was going to uh, be delicious? What, what were they expecting, I guess? Yeah, I, I mean... Um, they would, yeah, it depends on how my grandma was feeling, you know, um, sometimes she'd take the request or sometimes you just got to get what she making, you know? Yeah. <laughs> were there, were there certain things that were like more involved to make than others? Uh, I mean, growing up, I think for me, it would be like my grandmother's peach cobbler, like with the, like she do it like with the biscuits, yeah. um, like oh, brown yeah. the briskets and, you know, put it you know, everything in a peach compo and kind of like bake it all together. Um, that was kind of like my favorite dish to make with her. Hmm. Yeah. So were you helping out in the kitchen? And were all the cousins helping out in the kitchen? Nah, nah. All the cousins, well, I'll say out of all the cousins, I used to spend the most time over there. Yeah. So like we all went and be over at the same time on every weekend, you know, um, like when school ends on Friday, like I'd be over my grandma house Friday evening all the way to like Sunday night to it's time to come home like every weekend. Did you like being over there? Uh, yeah, I love, yeah, I love being over there. Did she see, do you think she saw like talent in you and that's kind of like why you started kind of helping well, her out and stuff? Yeah. You got to think like in the nineties, man, it was, I mean, yeah, so that wasn't like, okay, I know I was going to be a chef, or she's like, oh, I'm training you to be a chef. It's just like, oh, I love being around my grandma, like just like helping her out. And, you know, I know that she woke up early, and if I get up, you know, she's starting dinner, you know, like I said, she'd be up like five, six in the morning, and everything would be made, you know, pretty much by like one o'clock in the afternoon. So if I, you know, wake up, go downstairs, you know, I could, you know, be, be a, taste, a taste tester or, you know, find out some so you were hanging out in the kitchen getting taste tests yeah <laughs> i get it okay so are you the only are you the only cousin who ended up in the food industry does anyone else cook um yeah they all cook but none of them professionally yeah yeah i'm like and it's it's, it's crazy because yeah i got a lot of female because i think it's like it's only me and like two other like male cousins probably like out of like 20 oh wow yeah whoa was that hard being one of the only guys you're getting picked on uh nah nah it wasn't it wasn't too hard um yeah because i had you know um you guys are probably don't know this but i had a younger brother who passed away when uh when i was 18 and he was 19. Okay. so we was like very close and we both used to go over there you know spend the same amount of time over there so it was always cool and then like i said like the cousins that come over all the time so it would be some weekend just you know my brother and i would be over there and uh you know every so often you know i have my other cousins that come over there and enjoy that you know, depends, depends, you know, <laughs> depends yep. on the weekend. So what was your first formal job in a restaurant? Um, my first formal job in a restaurant was the Olive Garden out in, um, out in Torrance on 167, like Torrance. Hmm. Um, yeah, the river, by River Oaks Mall. How okay. was that? <laughs> it was pretty cool, actually. When I first started, um, yeah, I didn't, have, I, I didn't have any cooking experience, so we was like... I think we celebrate one of my auntie's birthday, and we had went to the Olive Garden. And my mom was like, "Yo, uh, you guys hire him. My son pretty much need a job." And you know, the lady was like, "Yeah, we hire him." So she brought the application out, and I, you know, of course, filled it out because if I didn't, it would have been, yeah. <laughs> been crazy. <laughs> so long story short, I filled out the application, uh, and the lady, man, she called me back next week, and they uh, put me on saute. Um, and they trained. The first couple weekends was like a disaster, yo. Because, <laughs> first day they know, put you on saute station? Well, you first know, week, yeah. yeah my, you know, that was my first job. Yeah, so that's why I was training yeah. like to be on saute. Um, and it was crazy. So I did like a couple days, like with someone training me. And then, you know, they cut you loose, let you, um, you know, pretty much try it out on your own. Um, yeah, and it was definitely an experience. Um, it was just, you know, you got to, when you like working at like a fast paced kind of like restaurant like the Olive Garden, it's all about just staying organized and clean, you know, and just being, you know, prepared. Because if you're not prepared, you know, that's when you get, <laughs> that's when you go down pretty much. Yeah. Um, but I learned a lot like working at the Olive Garden, you know, like I said, I learned those things like how to be prepared, how to plan ahead, how to stay clean and work. And 
Um, I think that's the place where I kind of like knew that I wanted to be a chef. You know, like the weekends was like, once you get it, you know, pretty once you get the systems under control, it's just like a fun roller coaster ride. Like every weekend, you getting that rush. It kind of like you there, you know, I would get there, you know, I would be the night chef, of course, but I would start like at three or four before it gets kind of busy. So you there as the, you know, evening builds up, builds up, the tickets roll in, roll in, roll in. And then you kind of, kind of like pump yourself up. It's like, you know, you get that adrenaline ride like every week. Um, and I think that's what really like, got me into like the restaurant industry, like yeah. working because it was fun. It didn't feel like work. And I was like, yo, this shit is, this is fun. <laughs> I, like the only thing downside is like, yo, I need to know how to make my own sauces and pastas. So once I got past like, you know, the line cook stage, um, and went to La Cornon Blue, that's when, you know, everything cool. else was So different. did you decide when you were working at, uh, at Olive Garden, you're like, okay, this is something I want to pursue. I want to go to school for this. And no, I still didn't know. I still no? didn't know. I was probably what, like 18 at the time, 19. So I worked other odd jobs here and there. Um, but when it was time to get serious about like a career in life, I was like, yo, out of every job that I had, you know, that cook, you know, that that time at the Olive Garden, and I stayed there about a year and a half, two years. It was the best. Cool. was the best part. Did you make friends there? Anyone else that stuck around in the industry or went on to have a career in food? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's like, but it's kind of different. You know, that's like casual dining. Yeah. You know, later on in life, I got into fine dining. Right, right. Um, and like very experiment, yeah. experimental molecular yeah. gastronomy. Stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it's kind of like night different. and day. It was people that stayed there, you know, stayed there for a while. I mean, I pretty much don't talk I pretty much don't know where anybody is right now. It's like almost 25 years ago. <laughs> but, um, so I yeah. know the endless breadstick policy for customers. Does that apply to back of house as well? <laughs> uh, yeah, we was the official taste testers. <laughs> we tasted every batch after we brushed that butter on. But, um, um, it was pretty cool. Uh, Were there yeah. any, like, I mean, it might sound silly, any, like, techniques or things that they were doing at Olive Garden that you took with you that... Probably more organizational Yeah, just stuff, organization. Right? Yeah. Just, yeah, and just, you know, and I think by me being young, it kind of like kind of shaped my mental mentality because I think that's the biggest thing with today's cooks. Um, it's just like handling pressure and just staying calm and, you know, mm -hmm. keep your eye on the prize and, you know, telling yourself yeah. you got this versus, you know, that's a, and I think that's very important with any chef is, you know, the mental control that you have over a situation. Mm -hmm. You kind of like got to control it mentally before you control it physically yeah. so you mentioned weekends <laughs> were weekends crazy there and weekdays not so much would you kind of gear up for the weekends yeah well the weekdays we kind of like look as you know yeah also yeah yeah the week the weekdays was almost like practice you know uh the weekends was yeah it's pretty time. intense yeah. skate time <laughs> everybody wait for the weekend but, uh, yeah, it was the same way, you know, not just with the Olive Garden, same thing like at Moto. You know, the weekdays, it'd be pretty, you know, steady and chill. Weekend, you know, it's game time, you know. Yeah. That's what you, you know, let's see what you got. And then, <laughs> yeah, did you go from Cordon Bleu straight to Moto? Yeah, I went to Le Cordon Bleu. I did my internship at Moto and worked oh, my cool. way up to executive sous chef. Nice. Is that, like, part of the required, uh, like, everyone has to do, like, a, an internship with a restaurant? Uh, I think that's kind of just the thing, you know? This yeah. is like about 2008, 2009. You go to culinary school, you know, they require you to do an internship, you know? I went to La Cordon Bleu. Mine was a three-month internship. You know, Heather, uh, my partner, she went to uh, Kendall, and she had a six-month internship, and she uh -huh. had to leave in between and come back. Hmm. So um, if you was in culinary school, I think, yeah, they pretty much still doing it, right? Yeah. And, and people still got to do the um, internships. So did the curriculum at Le Cordon Bleu prepare you for a crazy restaurant like Moto? Or were you learning a lot once you got in the door? I definitely learned a lot <laughs> once I got in the door. I mean, I think when you're in culinary school, you don't know, like, how serious those small details are until you, like, you know, to you. and it also depends on what restaurants you go to, like, mm -hmm. on how serious they are about the details. Um, which is models were pretty serious about the details and keeping up and you know being reliable and being a you know a good team player. So. 
I remember eating at Moto. The one dish that sticks out in my mind was the. Uh, it looked like an ashtray and it had like yeah. a cigar sticking out of it. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever eat there, I did. I ate there one time. It was delicious. It was a special treat. Yeah. Liz and Brian took me for a birthday. That's so, cool. Yeah. I remember touring like back of house and just seeing how crazy like all the setups were and yeah, like yeah, just how all the produce was being held and. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty cool. It was fair. super Chef intricate. Chef Conte was like one of the first people to set, you know, set up shop on Fulton Market. Yeah, for sure. I always think about that. He was, yeah, pretty much. I think he's probably the the first that I can think. Yeah, I can it was. Remember. I mean, I live in the West Loop now, and it's yeah. like very different packed. than when I went it's there. Very, to eat it's photo. very different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't even see the meat packing guys anymore. It's just like all restaurants. And, yeah, where know, did they go? Are they still there? Nah, they all gone. They all got bought out, pretty much. Wow, <laughs> where did they go? is the only one left, yeah. I think. They're yeah, like right next to us. Yeah, and yeah. And There's they, like, li- there are lines shit. like a block long on the weekends for people stocking up for barbecues and stuff. Yeah. To go to Peoria Meat Pack. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think is Bridgeford the other one that just got torn down? I think everyone kind of held out. The old, uh, the Google building was a cold, I mean, cold storage restaurant. It was called it because it was cold storage for meat. Hmm. Yeah. And they had to thaw out the building like the foundation before building on it. Really? Yeah. That's what I heard. I mean, we'll fact check <laughs> that, but I mean, it makes right, sense. Yeah. I can't wait till you get some, uh, some critiques in the comments. Set the internet on fire. Yeah, that's um, right. Joiners podcast is brought to you by party can. Party Can is a premium batched, large format, full flavored cocktail that uses high end liquor, real juice, real ingredients. It's all natural, gluten free. It's 12 drinks in a single can. And guess what? That can actually floats. You can take it to the beach, the pool, on the boat, camping, hiking, to the game, everywhere you go. It is recyclable and reusable. It's a party in a can and everyone's invited. Party Can is available at multiple retailers around Chicago, around the country, and you can always go to drinkpartycan.com to find a local store or have one shipped to you or a friend. And now, back to our interview. So once you got in the kitchen, uh, what, what are the, when you're an intern coming in, what, where do you start out? Are you washing dishes or are they putting you straight to work? Yeah, they pretty much match you up with a Comey. Um, and for my situation, I was matched up with the Garmo, the Garmo chef. So yeah. I was on Garmo. How was the, your relationship with them? With, with, with the, the Comey with, that you were, the Garmo chef that you were Oh, it was pretty cool. With. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it was my, I, I think I was, uh, yeah, the chef de party, I think it was like Alice Willis. So. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Everybody had different attitudes, you get what I'm saying? Everybody had like different approaches, but I was lucky I, I had a, you know, a cool Comey. Yeah, that uh, is cool. Shefty party. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so did you just, so you just turned that internship into like full time? You left school or were well, done yeah, with school? Yeah, I was finished with school. Um, I ended up working my way through the stations um, as a Comey. So, you know, I started with the Garmo Comey, then I went over to pastry, went over to fish. Uh, helped out with meat and most of the meat like fresh out carnage was mostly just like picking the herbs for for them and stuff like that doing like citrus supremes and yeah. you know nothing too technical with the meat station um after that there we had to do a little bit of time in the front of the house so they wanted every cook to experience you know the dining room which i thought was really good um, because it kind of like rounds you out more as a chef you know you're seeing like the guest reactions you're seeing you know um, how the food is presented. Uh, we learned a lot about service. You know, food is just not you know about cooking. It's about the service as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any memorable guest reactions in the front of house? <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember we, uh, when Lawrence Fishburne came there, mm-hmm. uh, and it still happened. I prepped the, in, the, in the morning that day, and I was working service as a um, server. Um, and he just was going bananas over the crab cakes that I made. And I just like <laughs> felt, it just felt like really good. That's um, going to be validating. Yeah. Lawrence Fishburne, uh, Tyra Banks had a, you know, she was, she came there a couple of times when I was there. She loved everything. Uh, Dana Kapatra, Patrick Dempsey. It was like, man, it was, it was, I felt like, I felt like we used the stars of Chicago back yeah. then. The I mean, yeah. The episode. Yeah. was. That's a high yeah. profile restaurant. Yeah. We was, Yeah. Are there any, were you there at the time of other chefs that went on to own places as well? I'm, I'm not so familiar with uh, the chefs that worked under 
Chef Kantu? Um, you say I'm, as I'm still friends with him? Or is it like went on to open restaurants of their like, own? Did, yeah, did you work alongside you any of the... Yeah, no, they all... I, don't, I can't think of any who opened a restaurant right now. Like most of them like was... Like Tim Havidick, um, he went on to a place and you know he helped them open a restaurant. He, I think, he went up to the, like the uh, Brandon Sadakoff group or something like that. Oh, um, yeah, Hog Salt. Uh, Hog Salt, yeah. Uh, Richie, right now he's at Ever. Um, Chris and uh, Ben, they out, they out in California. Yeah, uh, yeah. We just had it. Now we here in Chicago. Like, still holding the Moto flag up. So. Yeah. <laughs> and you met your partner at Moto, too, right? Yeah. What was we, she doing? Uh, well, we was both interns. Oh, cool. So, so same grades of it. She was at Kendall, and you, you were at La Corona yeah, Blue. Yeah, we just happened to do our internship around the same time. Cool. And, uh, yeah, I remember when she first got there, because I started my internship before she got there. And then she came down, you know, they, you know, give you a tour, you know, you meet Chef, and then, you know, you go change up, and you get ready for work. And she, I remember her asking me, like, man, how is it here? I'm like, man, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. <laughs> just keep your head down and just work as fast as you can, you know, and the best you can. Uh, but yeah. We, How soon after meeting did you guys start dating? Was it like love at first sight or were you more like. Uh, no, I kind of like just build up. Yeah. We, was, we was buddies first, we'd hang out, you know. Um, I, that's when I first started like getting into like wine and going to like different restaurants and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we did like a bunch of hanging out first before we started dating. Cool. I mean, how early on in your relationship did you start talking about working together, like opening your own thing? Well, it kind of, um, yeah. So Heather spent some time at Moto, then she ended up going to True. Okay. Um, yeah. So she ended up getting so she. So remember how I told you like you would do some time in the kitchen there, you go upstairs and then you would, you know, experience some time in the front of the house. So what happened with Heather when she went up to the front of the house, she really like enjoyed being up there. Like she really like enjoyed like learning about the wines and uh, you know, interacting with the guests. Um, so she ended up moving on to True. I stayed at Moto. I ended up being at Moto for like four years, something like hmm. that. And she's you know, she was there for like two years. I think she did like another like year at True. Um and then um yeah, so once my time was over at that moto, you know, I honest, you know, Heather and I, we were still talking, and then, you know, we just like, yo, we should um, start a restaurant, but kind of like do it underground, because like in 2013, I don't know if you guys remember, but 2013, like the underground restaurant scene was uh, pretty popular. Mm-hmm. You know, you had... Like you X know, Marks and stuff? Yeah, S March, you have, you know, Honey Butter Fried Chicken. They was um, Yeah, Sunday Dinner Club. Yeah, they oh, was yeah. yeah. They was um underground. You have forty two grand that was underground. You had uh, I can't think of the other woman chef. The other it was another pop really popular chef. They ended up getting like a J um a Michelin star was also underground. Um so we just kinda like started off, you know, selling tickets. It was five courses with parents. Um, and it, and we did it three days out the week and it got pretty popular, yo. It was like, people was like bucking, yo. People was bucking. It was Where like did you crazy. do it out of? We did out our apartment in Evanston. Oh, cool. cool. And then, yeah. So we did, uh, we did some out of our apartment in Evanston. Then we, you know, we, uh, rent other restaurants and, you know, on their days off there, let us, you know, come in there and set up and, you know, sell some tickets and people come through. So people was liking everything. So that kind of like went from, you know, us doing these, you know, private underground dinners to uh, people asking us to do them at their house. Like, oh, you can do it at your place? Can you do the same setup at my crib? And we was like, yeah, for sure. You know, we still had that fine dining mentality. Like, you know, if someone asks for something, you know, we try our best to make it happen. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, then we figure it out. So we said yes a lot of times, and then we figured it all out. And it just, um, it was rocking and rolling. You know, we was doing like a bunch of like catering gigs, um, like dinner parties, and then people start asking us to, yo, um, do you guys do weddings? And we were like, uh, we never done a wedding, but we'll try. And <laughs> yeah, we, and then it kind of just went from, you know, us doing it at our place, going to other people's house to do dinner parties. We had other people's house doing dinner parties. People, you know, they got nephews, nieces, family members getting married. Yo, can you guys cater this? Whatever, whatever the situation is. 
Um, and it just it just got really popular. We did like thirteen weddings that year, yo. Jeez. Wow, yeah, like thirteen weddings. It was crazy. So was it all word of mouth, or were you guys marketing yourself? It was word yourselves? of mouth. It was word. And so at that time, growth. we had That's our cool. first. You know, we had our first experience with like with a little bit of fame because Eater um, did an article. You know, nice. on us hosting these underground dinners and stuff, cool. and then it just went like bananas after that, and then so that's that's how Feasting and Bot was born because Feasting and Bot was before Soul and Smoke. Yeah, that was our bread and butter. That was the main business was Feasting and Bot. Um, so so I'll tell you point? about Soul and Smoke. Soul and Smoke a little later. Yeah. So <laughs> so what point were you like, okay, this it, it's no longer feasible running this as an underground thing. Like we need to get, like, I think, a, a yeah, formal business going. Like what well, was the tipping point for you guys? Well, like the tipping point was when I think we got a request to do like a 150-person wedding. And we knew we needed a space then because we still had people inquiring about, you know, weddings. And we had people inquiring about dinner parties. Then also people was asking us when we was going to do like these pop-ups. So we ended up getting our first like 1,500-square-foot um, kitchen space in Evanston. It was the office, storage, walk-in, and kitchen. It was like very tight there. Um and then we just started, you know, embracing everything, you know. We just started embracing the catering and, you know, we ended up hiring some help. You know, Heather got, like, um, like uh, an extra, like, office person and extra assistant. And I ended up getting, like, some cooks and, you know, we just did our thing. How would you end up in Evanston? Oh, Heather used to live in Evanston. Okay. <laughs> so Heather used to live in Evanston. You know, I'm from the south side of Chicago. So every time I used to go to Evanston, I'm like, man, it's so cool out here. It was just, it was just like a different, like, just like a different vibe. So, you know, I used to be off on Sundays and Mondays. And then by me being a sous chef, I'd be, you know, I'd take my laptop with me out to Evanston, which Heather started working at a wine shop called Vinic Wine. Mm-hmm. Um, so i go to Vinic Wine, like, on Sundays and just chill there, and, um, you know do all my, you know, produce orders and, you know, meat orders and stuff like that for the restaurant while I was in Evanston. And then, uh, yeah, once we started dating, I moved to Evanston. <laughs> so <laughs> we got a nice. place in Evanston. Yeah. Um, my mom lived in Evanston finally. It's a, it's a nice blend of, like, city and yeah. suburb. It's a nice, yeah. like, in-between. It's yeah. really, it's accessible. Like, easy to get downtown, not far away, not a bad commute. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, once we got the place in Evans, that you know the resources just was built around it. You know, we was, obviously we was in the industry, so we knew, you know, we knew a, a nice amount of industry people. Um, a lady kept approached us about the space. Um, we was able to take it on, so we took the space and we just kind of like went from there. This podcast is brought to you by Geneva. Danny, what is Geneva? Well, Tim, I'm glad you asked. Geneva is a European spirit with a wide range of flavors and lots of personality. It always uses malt spirit and juniper and other botanicals, so some would place it somewhere between gin and whiskey. It can be floral and bright like gin or round and malty like whiskey. Whatever your preference, there's a Geneva out there for you. Even me? Even you, Tim. This campaign is financed with aid from the European Union. So going from uh, pop-up dinners to weddings, that's a pretty high yeah. pressure situation, I guess. Def- did, yeah. did you have, uh, how do you treat uh, a wedding differently? And did you have to deal with like bridezillas or people, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, Danny and I can both attest like when your wedding yeah. is approaching. Yeah. Tim was a groomzilla. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> I was I, a groomsmanzilla. Yeah. <laughs> I think early on, I think we started getting like the bridezillas once we really started like, once we really started, you know, marketing that we do weddings, you know, you got to keep in mind, like, people, it's like an intimate setting. We're at our house, you know, you got these two young, you know, people, um, you know, hosting these dinners. So nobody, you know, they was like, yo, just can you do, like, the wedding? And it wasn't, like, nothing, like, mad serious. All these details got to be on point. It was a lot of people who, you know, visit us frequently, kind of, like, knew a little bit. But as time went on and as we started getting, like, on vendor lists and stuff like that, that people we start, you know, catering for people who we didn't know, you know, as complete strangers, and that's really wanted our food and our service. That's when, you know, that's when every once in a while you'll get a bridezilla, mm-hmm. and 
It was just crazy because back in those, you know, back in those days, you know, it depends on what size the party is. Some like the dinner parties, Heather and I, we do it by ourselves. But of course, the weddings, we couldn't do it by ourselves. So we had like asked all our friends and our families. We had like, you know, people working with us on their days off. We had like our cousins and brothers <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, like just, a phone tree. Yeah. People ready to go. Yeah. It's well, like different stages you go through, but it's, it's different stages you go through. Like when you start like from the ground when you start like from the ground it's like it's different stages that you definitely go through you know to be a successful business were there any like crises or emergencies that occurred during these weddings or you know on-site dinner parties oh there's plenty of them um and you know just like you know getting the linens there in time like dealing with the rental companies um you know thinking you got everything packed up and you forgetting something at the restaurant and somebody gotta like you know Hawk all the way back there. That's the thing about catering. You like taking like that whole kitchen setup. You just packing it up and you know you going somewhere and then you just resetting it all back up again. You know, so it's a lot. You know, it was a lot of growing pains in the beginning, but hey, it, it ended up working out. So, so did you guys have like a pretty standard cuisine or menu that they would choose from, or did you guys uh, meet like requests? Would people come and be like, hey, you know, we want a French theme for our wedding? Yeah, back in those days, they used to just let us like. They'd tell us like what they like because like with the pop up menus, it was kind of insane when I was doing pop ups because you know I was a young young cook, you know thinking I'm about to be like you know this big you know this big name chef. Um, I was like I was really creative, you know like even with the pop up menus, I used to change that menu like every week. Like when the people asked us to do the weddings, they were like, oh, can you do like the short rib or can you do like a chicken dish? They just pretty much give us a little bit of you know info and just let us do the freedom. You know to do what we want mm-hmm. cool do you miss like i mean to go to you know soul and smoke for example it's a pretty set menu how do you feel like you wish you had more flexibility to kind of like change it up as frequently as you used to oh with soul and we smoke with the soul and smoke menu yeah i mean just because like you were just talking about how you you know you would always like kind of freestyle week to week yeah. switch it up often is it like a challenge to have a set menu like soul and smoke uh, yeah, it, sometimes it can get, you know, I wouldn't say like boring, but, you know, sometimes you want to push the envelope. You want to be a little creative. So, you know, like every month right now, I'm part, like part of that. Have you guys ever heard like Table 22 is like a monthly subscription? So, I don't think I do. Yeah, yeah uh, so. So Table 22 is pretty much like a third party, and they kind of like reach out to like different chefs and restaurants, and you know, um, you guys come with the chef or the restaurant, and come up with like a, a monthly menu that's not on their current menu, um, and then you know, you people will buy like season tickets for that, and they just get something off the menu. So things like that keep me going. Um, today I'm still doing a couple weddings here and there. We're making a transition from like getting away from weddings right now with selling the smoke. But uh, right now, I still get to be a little bit creative. And then I still got some private clients who I would do, like, a dinner party for and, like, do, like, different, like, feast and vibe things versus, like, soul and smoke things. Gotcha. You said you're trying to get away from weddings. Is there any reason for that? Just, like, spreading you too thin or, like, too yeah. stressful? Yeah, man. Soul and smoke just kind of, like, blew up and took over everything. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> soul I, uh, and smoke, yeah, it just went crazy. Yeah, I picked it up yesterday. I had, to, I had a tip and link combo. Oh, yeah. It was delicious. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, I had a couple questions for you. Yeah. Um, so traditionally, you know, you see the tip and link combo, like, you know, over fries. Sometimes it's sauced unless you ask for sauce on the side. Um, but yours kind of comes with like a constructed, you know, hot dog more like with yeah. the link on a bun and then the rib separate, which is mm. cool. Um, but just curious as to like why, you know, why you constructed the link into like a sandwich um, versus like, you know, having it chopped up like you know what we see more commonly yeah so it's kind of different so with the rip with the link we'll start with the link the link right now um it's like served on a bun and then you got like the um quote-unquote mustard which is my gold sauce and then the sauteed onions i wanted to go more of a and that's to me i, I consider that like a chicago themed dish you know you got the rib tips mm-hmm. and the hot link um, but I wanted to serve my hot link more Maxwell Street style. Yeah, but it's not delicious. like with the basic mustard. But I wanted like my mustard based barbecue sauce. Yeah, that's and cool. then with the tips, I wanted people to like. I've been eating rib tips all my life. To me, I think this is some of the best tips that's in Chicago. Um, it's smoked low and slow over hickory, and then I got the um, my Kansas City style signature sauce on the side because 
when I want when, I, when people like buy the tip and link combo, I kind of want them to try to meet on their own. If they want the sauce, they, they you know they got yeah. the option to have the sauce. I, I really liked it. Um, I'm definitely gonna be eating it again <laughs> soon. I'm gonna be making Tim eat it as well. Yeah. So would you consider your your barbecue Chicago style barbecue? Seems like it's got a little bit yeah. of a yeah, like sh- there, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I would definitely consider it Chicago, you know, influenced barbecue. Um, I definitely want to put Chicago in the mouth of barbecue. You know, like a lot of people who you know do barbecue in Chicago, they source in a style that's not from here. You mm-hmm. know, I'm born and raised in Chicago. All the barbecue I ate growing up was pretty much Chicago style barbecue. And now I'm just in a situation where I can really like highlight some of those yeah. things. What's the secret to good barbecue? Just technique and you know being Slow patient, low, baby. not rushing it. <laughs> um, yeah, so barbecue is a lot different from like fine dining. Well, in in a, in a sense, you know, um, barbecue is way simpler. People, it's way simpler to prepare, but it's all about the temperatures, the techniques, the prep. You know, just getting all that stuff on point if you got a perfectly tempt you know rib tip or a brisket or something like that with a well-crafted barbecue sauce you know people you know you can't mess with that i've got a good tip for barbecue um (laughs) so i got my sister a green egg for christmas a couple years ago and uh i have a friend who like raises his dad raises cows up in uh wisconsin he would bring a brisket so he did uh he brought a brisket down to the city and we smoked it we did uh aaron franklin's method you know all day best brisket i've ever had yeah this is maybe five years ago what, what was aaron franklin's method um <laughs> slow and low i mean slow, slow, he has a master class yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah it's really it's really uh Basic. simple seasoning um and then i actually did have to use the i think they call it the texas crutch where you wrap it in foil and finish it in the oven yeah. that's neither here nor there so anyway the, that first brisket was amazing then the, uh, a couple years later my friend's like hey i got another brisket for you I'm like, great, bring it over. We'll, we'll, you know, wake up early, 6 a.m., get the get the green egg going. And he sends me a picture of it, and he had trimmed all of the fat off. Yeah. Um, and I want to mention names, but Ross Gerber, he cut all of the <laughs> he cut all of the fat off this brisket. And I go, dude, what are you what are you doing? We need that fat. That's gonna render. And he's like, he's like, no, no, trust me. He's like, I watched a video on YouTube. This is gonna be fine. So long story short, we ended up with like a 10 pound beef jerky it was terrible yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. so dry you gotta, yeah you gotta like balance out there like i think like a thing with good barbecue you gotta like source like good meat you know you gotta yeah. know like what grade a you know cow is this and and like texas style versus like you know what i do i know a lot of texans people you know they really like Try to play it real simple with the meat, salt, pepper. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Uh, me, I got a nice flood flavor rub. I got you know garlic, you know chili powder, black pepper, a little bit of brown sugar. That's gonna help with the bar. So I want to make it like really flavorful. Then we only use like prime grade beef. Um, so I think that's really important. You know, um, yeah. What so like in Chicago land area? Uh, what's like your favorite barbecue outside of your own? Or you know, what are some? Yeah, we'll start there. I guess. Okay, if I wasn't eating my barbecue, yeah, um, I'll probably I I go to Green Street. I like what Dave Bond are doing over there. Okay, I like um, Green Street. Yeah, yeah, and they then Smoke nice and Barry, you know, Smoke over there with Barry. Yeah, he's pretty um, solid. He's a, you know OG in the barbecue game, who I respect a lot. Uh, but yeah, them like the them like the tattoo, yeah, tattoo. Yeah, and um, then like, what do you think is a common mistake that people who try to make? I mean, obviously cutting all the fat off of the brisket uh, Tim, is a Tim mistake or a Ross mistake. That's Ross Gerber. Yeah. <laughs> he lives in Brooklyn now. Yeah. You just got to be, you know, you got to know where to trim the fat. Because, you know, you get a lot of people who really don't like a lot of fatty brisket, you know. So, you know, if you got the point, you know, the deck was going to have fat going all the way through there versus, you know, the flat that's going to be kind of really lean. So that's why I leave like a little bit of fat on there, but I'm pretty much skinning most of the fat off the deck because I know that when you slowly cooking it, that fat that's, you know, going in, you know, throughout the meat, that cut is going, you know, create a lot of flavor. Yeah. How do you, flavor. how do you keep the lean part from getting dried out? Yeah. It's all about temperature. So we smoke ours. You just, you really don't want to overcook it. And what I do, uh, I cook it for about eight to 10 hours, depending on the weight. Uh, we spray it down with my meat moisturizer. We take it out. 
I use butcher paper to wrap bars. So yeah. we, you know, we wrap. We tried the format that is it's cool but i like the butcher paper allows some of the you know smoke flavor to get through and then also tenderize it you know in my opinion um yeah just all about execution and not overcooking and making sure you got that thermometer yeah <laughs> because uh and then yeah and then like i said the grated beef also because if you got like a choice versus a you know a prime beef a little bit more forgiving than like a choice it's gonna be later less marbling yeah. Uh, yeah. And are you doing all the meat for all the locations in one place and then kind of like delivering it to the other place, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We do all our smoking up at Evanston. Okay. Um, time out, do a little bit. They do their rib tips, their hot links, and their uh, slabs. They got a smoke on site that they use at the time out market. Oh, nice. But it's like their. Like, was that your smoker or did they provide it? Oh, they provided oh, the smoker. Nice. They provide this the same brand smoker that I'm using at Evanston. Oh, cool. Um, so all our long term smoking, like, you know, pork shoulders, pastrami, um, brisket, we doing that all in Evanston. Evanston. Um, Who's and then it's just like a logistical question of like delivering it, yeah, to each place. <laughs> yeah, so. so we got delivery drivers that start like around nine o'clock every day. Wow, and they deliver. You know, they got to get there by eleven to each location. Hmm. And, and then, pretty much it. do you stress about like maintaining the quality in each location if you're not physically always around? You know, well, we make all we, mo we make the bulk of the food in Evanston anyway. So like, they mac and cheese, they collard greens, they beans, they sauce. Everything is being made in Evanston. Yeah. You know, they time out might do a, cu a little bit of cookery. You know, they got the jerk chicken. I'm about to get the salmon over there soon. So, like, as far as cookery goes, they can do a little bit of cookery over there. But as far as the prep, we make pretty much most of their prep in Evanston. So, everything so you control the same. Yeah. a lot of the quality ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> Smart. That's good. Yeah. 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 Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's. it's now, it's so cool, Smoke right? and Green Street both high profile are there what are some unsung uh like under the radar barbecue spots if there are any i used to um, i used to always when i would travel i would always look up like barbecue spots in the area and try yeah to i mean what about like lambs and uncle john's and stuff um yeah um like growing up i used to eat like a lot of i-57 um lambs was cool but i'm from like a part of the south side and you know called like the hundreds and you know lambs was like the east side so you know a lot of you know barbecue that was available in you know the part of the south side that i grew up on was like mostly like best barbecue this place called best barbecue chicago is barbara ann's far away um or i mean you know like was that a place that you frequented nah, okay. i frequently didn't go there yeah no. All right, fair enough. Yeah, we have to do a barbecue tour this year. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. You gotta do we a gotta go with tour. Chef DeAndre. Yeah, take us around. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we should go. We should go do that. <laughs> yeah. Are you? Do you get sick of it ever? Like, are you? Do you get burnt out on it? Um, not only. No, I'm always looking to get better. So you know, it don't. I can't get burnt out because I'm. I'm just like always looking, paying attention. Even if the, we got the, if we got the cookery you know, techniques down, you know, and I want to pay attention to the actually, like, you know, meat, you know, um, the the type of brisket, um, the type of pork, is anything I can do better with that. Yeah. Um, just like an ongoing, you know, perfecting out the process type thing. Do you mean getting tired of eating it? No, no, I mean... If I yeah. could and not kill myself in the process, <laughs> I would eat barbecue probably every meal. Uh, it's. I mean, I was on a good clip of eating it at least weekly, but it's tough. I mean, yeah, it's, I yeah. think, yeah, you start to have those, yeah, the questions yeah. of like how, you know, whatever. I mean, <laughs> like how healthy is it to be eating yeah. it all the time? I, mean, I pretty much taste barbecue like every single day. Yeah. You know, like if the brisket, you know, getting sliced and I might get excited, like, man, y'all see those juices up in there? Like, like <laughs> yeah. get up in there, try this out, or the ribs is looking nice and glazed, uh, you know, some people you know consider grilling you know barbecue so you know or smoking you know we might we got the grilled buttermilk wings we got the grilled salmon mm -hmm. um it's at some point of barbecue like all the time does your partner love barbecue as much as you do uh heather <laughs> no heather heather actually didn't like barbecue before we started selling the smoke <laughs> uh, she's still not like a barbecue like like super fan but she like good food you know uh, mm -hmm. we do you know eat around chicago a lot so we do enjoy like a good meal what do, yeah. you guys, what do you guys eat at home and who does the cooking 
<laughs> we pretty much uh, we do a lot of ordering out. Yeah. Um, I do cook breakfast on weekends with the kids. You know, we like to make our eggs and bacon. Uh, How old are the kids? Uh, Corey is one and a half, and my oldest is Max. She's four. Okay, wow. so they're not cooking yet. They're not. They they want to help. They want to help. Yeah. They want to like crack the eggs, like you know, shells so far. They like <laughs> to crack the eggs. You know, put the salt and pepper in. You know, they peel off the bacon for me, or they spread like the jam on the toast and stuff like that. They like to be involved. Are That's they cool. <laughs> Are they uh, Are they picky at all? Uh, with the food? Yeah. Um, and nah, my kids, they eat everything. Like That's Max, awesome. yeah, they, yeah, they eat, they eat all the same food we eat. Yeah. And uh-huh. they eat at all of some of the nicest restaurants that we eat. <laughs> like, spoiled. They growing up like in the food, like, you know, with the food culture. Yeah. You know? My son was super open to everything until he was about three. And then uh-huh. he became like super picky unfortunately the daughter she's still young enough where she's eating everything yeah. um she was loving those ribs actually last oh, night really? she oh, saw me cool. eating them and she kept going want some can I have some can I have some like every two <laughs> seconds so I'd have to keep giving her some of the rib um but yeah arthur, she was arthur loving showed it no interest arthur had no i mean he's that's no insult to you of course he's just like a pain in the butt when it comes yeah. to eating any food um, but yeah, Ruby was loving those ribs. She could have, and so in fact, like it's her birthday coming up, <laughs> and we talked about getting getting her some barbecue because she's she loved it so much. Oh, it's cool, pretty funny. Man. Cool, cool. You should get yeah. it and take it out on a boat on Rockwell. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's yeah. a nice birthday celebration. That w- we should do that. Yeah, because yeah. we've gone on those like those uh, those boats. Uh, I don't know what you. Yeah, call the electric them. boats you can rent there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I. Why I remember, don't we do like, that? We, we brought like a full picnic, and then we rolled over. Like, there's barbecue here. Yeah, we should have just gotten the, the barbecue. time before. You guys hadn't been there yet. Yeah, we have. Yeah, we just got there. Uh, oh, we, really? Yeah, right now we there is like sort of like a pop up setup. Oh. Um, we may be there permanently. So. Oh, cool. Uh, we had talks about you know better not the space over there as well. Cool. Um, hmm. So yes, yeah, a lot of exciting things coming up next year. You know, ever since getting built out. Uh, where you know people can walk in and dine in right now it's kind of like set up you walk up to the to-go window you can order and sit out on the patio maybe you could uh, collaborate with judson and more use some of their whiskey and some of your yeah. cooking somehow oh, yeah. yeah for sure i definitely got that um on the radar cool uh, yeah right now we're working with metropolitan they right over there so we yep. use some of their coffee to make like a nice rub um yeah yeah i think that's a cool one how long have you been at the avondale location We've been there for about about two months. Oh, cool. Yeah, so we took our team from out, because first we was in the ghost kitchen, you know, we took the ghost kitchen team from out of Avondale, and then we set up at Rockwell on the River. Oh, okay. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy that there's like a convenient, to me, location <laughs> to pick a barbecue from. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we were really excited about being there. So, um, everyone's been great. You know, the spaces, you know, I think one of the, um hidden gems in chicago like the view is just it's just striking like in the morning yeah uh, it's real cool vibes real cool people I-, I wanted to talk briefly about uh your help with the pandemic response i know you guys yeah. were uh able to mobilize your catering business uh how wh- how did that go for you i, I know it kind of snowballed you guys were doing like uh Takeout meals, no questions asked. And you were doing start out with like thirty meals a day, and it ended up being hundreds. What, yeah, what, that's uh, how it started. Yeah, yeah, when the pandemic happened, um, yeah. So the city kind of just like shut down, and you know we was watching on the news that um, a lot of people didn't like have like any meals or nothing, like anything to eat. So you know, so in small, we had like all the infrastructure. We had like the kitchen, the staff, the vehicles. Um, we started offering free meals to um, people that was out of work. Um, and it got really popular. Um, it got really popular like throughout Evanston, and then we partnered with Royal Central Kitchen, and we started, you know, going around Chicago. We was on the south side, west side. Um, also with the Trotter Project and the Evanston Community Foundation. Um, yeah, so we had like a bunch of partners. Uh, we end up, we end up serving over like three hundred some thousand meals. Oh my wow. god! Partners, yo. We was so we was busy. Did that put a lot busy. of pressure on your suppliers? Uh, or did, yeah. what, what, did you run into any issues? Had you scaled up that big before? No, I didn't scale up that big. So I always had like Cisco in my back pocket. So I like order like, you know, some meats or, you know, some specialty things for them. Um, and just luckily I just had that relationship with them already. Um, so once I was able to bulk up on orders, we just pushed the orders to Cisco and, you know, it was, they, was, they was able to handle everything. So 
Cool. Did you have to beef up your team to meet demand as well? Back a house? Um, no, it's pretty much my same team. Like I said, um, all the weddings canceled. This one, now that's oh, okay. when Solar Smoke was like really boring. You know, Solar Smoke was always there. So I got to back up a little bit. When we was doing those underground dinners, like out, out of the apartment, um, like different corporations was like hitting us up, calling us and asking us to, you know, do dinner parties at these corporate offices. And I was like, and they just wanted us to, they was like, yo, can you guys just bring the food and chop it off? And the type of food that we was making at the time, it had to be assembled. You know, yeah. there's nothing that you can make and drop off. I like, I can't drop off you know this th these dishes but you know i can make some herb chicken i can make some pulled pork and some salads and mac and cheese and it's like cool you know so we uh that went on for you know like about two three years under like soul and smoke uh, when that pandemic happened and, and all our um, private dinners our private dinners and private events pretty much canceled um we took the soul and smoke food and started scaling that down and started offering that to the public. And then once the people in the public start trying that out, that's when they was like, oh, shit, you guys been here all the time? <laughs> like, and then just people just started loving it. And it just, it just went bananas after that. We got a food truck. We was able to get mobile with it. Um, we partnered up with uh, Time Out Market. We got a couple of ghost kitchens. And... Like our kitchen, our Everson kitchen is like ten thousand square feet, guys. This is a big kitchen we got. Whoa, wow, damn. yeah. So, um, is that where you spend most of your time? I'm there every. That's why, yeah. Most of my time is spent. So you just have to come day. from there to here. Uh, it's just now, yeah. yeah. All right, fair <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for coming minutes. this way. Yeah, anytime. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned you come, you go out to eat a lot in the city. Where, where, what are some of the spots you've been to recently? Uh, some well, I'm always well, Boca. It's one of my favorite. Um, you know, they just opened a Barcelona out in um, Old Orchard. Heather and I, we go there a lot. Oh, huh. I um, didn't know that. Um, I would just have Virtue, uh, Anime, um, Kasama. They, uh, yeah. All I mean, the hits. We, yeah, yeah. We like all over, yo. We, we hear, if we hear about you, we pre definitely check them. But Heather and I, we've been like dining out like consistently like for years. Like we consider ourselves kind of like mini foodies. Yeah. <laughs> How many nights a week do you guys get to eat out together? At least once. Yeah, that's good. And who gets to pick? Alternate. Um, it's kind of like up in the air, man. Yeah. It's kind of like if Heather, you know, want to try a spot. You know, we try it out. We've been doing this for years, so it's it's either or. Either, like, you got a spot you really want to go to, or I got a spot I really want to go to. If not, let's just look on open table and see who got us open, you know, who got a seat for us. Yeah. Let's go check it out. What's on the list that you haven't made it to yet? <sighs> um, Mine is uh, Obelix, right? Mm-hmm. That's got, that's a must. Yeah, I just saw uh, Chef Larry from, um, Brist from Bristol just did a collab with them. He told me that it was pretty. Honestly, yeah, I can't even think of anybody like new right now that that we haven't tried out. We pretty much been pretty much Just hit them all. All of them, yeah. So <laughs> I can think of right now. We'll Wait. save the rest for the gratuity round. That's right. Um, and then, kind of like something maybe to finish on before we get to the gratuity round. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what kind of advice do you have for people who have you know who might be trying to pursue a similar path? to yours um just i mean my advice for anyone who's trying to do anything and like not just like open a restaurant just man just stick with it yo you know you gotta have some good days you got some bad days and i think that's the breaking point either you know people they pull out they quit you know earlier than they supposed to or you know they just get kind of frustrated with the process you gotta kind of like enjoy the process you gotta embrace the process because you go learn you know throughout you know you go you go learn through the process and um in the end it's only gonna help you because you're gonna have to remember like all the struggles and the heartaches that you go through to make it that way you know fast four or five ten years from now you can be able to you know guide that younger person um that's kind of you know that's kind of like next in line so you know my advice is yeah just um just don't give up and work hard and learn as much as you can you that's know? great advice actually yeah the per persistence is like we've hit so just in our business alone we've hit so many roadblocks yeah. i think being able to like 
be nimble enough to see the opportunity in yeah. some of these hurdles and yeah each each one you face does make you smarter and makes you a better business person and you know leads you down paths you may not have gone down otherwise yeah it's definitely i think i learned the most from all the like all the bad times like the mm -hmm. good times you know you feel great you feel great to like be rewarded like okay everybody clapping you know everything when everything is all good but i think you learn the most when things are not so good and you know what went wrong you know totally what can we done better you know um and it's just a learn like i said life is just like a learning experience you gotta learn from that you got to grow and you got to be prepared for the next time. Anything you would have done differently? Right now? Nothing. Yeah. No, I wouldn't have done nothing different. I enjoy like every bit of it. That's I great. I enjoy like every bit. It was, and it wasn't easy. Like people, you know, they always, um, I was just at the Evanston Farmer's Market um, on uh, Sunday. No, Saturday, we did a chef demo there. And then a lady that they had me working with, she's like, oh, Chef DeAndre. She's like, man, I'm so proud of you guys. You guys are just killing it. Uh, can I just ask you one question? How does it feel to be successful? And I'm looking like, oh, what? Uh, I don't, I mean, I'm still like, it's a working process for me right now. Yeah. I don't feel, even feel like it's like success or anything. And I told us, like, you know, I don't feel like I'm at a successful, you know, level yet because I don't want to feel comfortable. I want to, you know, finish grinding it out. I don't want to feel like mentally like, oh, I'm where I want to be right now. It's just, you know, it's a learning process and yeah, every day I'm learning stuff. So yeah, that's great. Good mentality. Yeah. This episode of Joiners is brought to you by Stock Manufacturing, makers of fine hospitality workwear. You obsess over the details in your space, so why stop at your staff's uniforms? Stock has something for every aesthetic. From fine dining to a corner cafe, they've got you covered. Choose from in-stock ready-to-wear options or design the perfect custom uniform for your team. For more information, visit stockmfgco.com. All right, so uh, gratuity round. Should we do the let's, gratuity let's round? Let's dive in. Yeah, let's rock and roll. All right, All right. Chef DeAndre, what would be your death row meal? My death, my death row meal. <laughs> um, probably, definitely some fried chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Specific recipe, grandma's. Uh, nah, it wouldn't be grandma's. It wouldn't be. Yeah, just like I, I honestly, I love like Popeyes. Um, I do too. Chicken. That's my uh, preferred yeah. Yeah. It fast used to be, food. And growing yeah. up, it used to be KFC. Really? It was growing up, it was KFC. Uh, KFC. I still like some Harold's. You know, Harold's. You know, different locations taste different. Mm, yeah. But uh, Popeyes. I'm pretty. I'm a Popeyes. Uh, yeah. Kind of like I never vibed with KFC. Popeyes. I'm a go-to Popeyes guy for fried yeah. chicken. Uh, all right. Favorite old school restaurant. My favorite besides Moto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My well, uh, favorite old school restaurant. Well, who's who's left? Doesn't have to be anything that's still open either. That changes it. I don't have a fa <laughs> well a favorite old school restaurant. Like all, I think all the restaurants I like still open. I want to say like. I have to think about a favorite food. We can the, circle the back. That. Yeah, let's circle back to that. All right. All right. Oh. Uh, fast food is is Popeyes your favorite fast food? Yeah, I'll okay. say. Yeah, I'll say. What's your go-to cocktail order? Old fashioned. Old fashioned. <laughs> cool. Uh, bourbon or rye? Uh, bourbon. Cool. Yeah. Any particular like uh, higher proof, whatever. Um, if it was like a daily, like just a chill bourbon i really like the fruit fruit spirits okay um and if i'm just trying to flex a little bit i do like some whistle pig or something like that all right cool <laughs> love it what trivia category would you dominate probably um the 90s sports yeah <laughs> 90s basketball i think <laughs> yeah i think my sports knowledge is mostly in the 90s just because yeah. i think of how good sports center was back then yeah yeah nice. well you grew up in chicago at a time with the bulls dominance it was the bulls good you... in the 90s <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right and then last question what is something that bars or restaurants do that might annoy you 
Um, oh, I guess the soma. Like a soma. Well, I'm a chef. A lot of people don't like know I'm a chef, so like different ingredients. They try to like be extra explanatory towards them. Yeah. Um, and as far as and like just bad service. That's that's that kind of irritates everybody. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you do special training for service at your spots to make sure? Yeah. Everything's up to par. Yeah, we got we got um, we got our uh, FOH managers that go go through training to make yeah. sure everybody's up to par and familiar. Because when you eat, it's all about the experience, you know, that you have with the totally. With yeah, the food's half of it. It's the yeah. experience, really. For cool. sure. Well, DeAndre, thanks so much for coming. Well, on hey, the pod. we got to circle back to that old. Oh school yeah, restaurant yeah, yeah, question. yeah, old school <laughs> You can email us too. Yeah, yeah no worries. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, man. I'm still kind of. Um, I'm still kind of a chicken Alfredo person, man. All right, cool. From Olive Garden. I still like my Alfredo. So from Olive Garden? Yeah, honestly, that was my first sauce. Like, even in culinary school, that was the first sauce I perfected was the Alfredo. So really? hmm. What's the, the secret to it? It's just the ba- well, balance the ingredients. You know, you don't want to make it too thick. You don't want to make it, you know, too runny. I think with the Alfredo, it's all about, like, the amount of cheese, the spices, and the texture. You don't want to make it too clumpy. You want a nice, a nice smooth one. Hmm. Yeah. That's and cool. having that nice grilled chicken oil, you know, some grilled shrimp. That's why I say that's old school. So obviously, you know, it's yeah. kind of different right now. But if I go back, yeah, the Alf- yeah, that's a good. Throw I feel like we're almost in Alfredo, Alfredo season. Yeah, <laughs> we're getting every, there. every season's <laughs> Alfredo season. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> That concludes our conversation with DeAndre Carter. Be sure to like and subscribe and share the podcast if you're so inclined. And also check out our Instagram at JoinersPod for additional content, including throwback photos of our guests and special cocktails designed by Danny Shapiro. This episode was produced by Matt Haddock and music by Captain Cuts. And special thanks to Kieran for our new beautiful branding. Check it out. Check it out.